We're excited to launch season three of the Love Fort Wayne podcast. The Love Fort Wayne podcast connects the stories of leadership happening in Northeast Indiana to imagine, inspire, and ignite transformation in leaders 20 to 25 minutes at a time. I'm Jeff King, CEO and Executive Director of Love Fort Wayne. At Love Fort Wayne, we know that the pillars of a flourishing community are its schools, its leaders, churches, and families. Join us as we learn from leaders across the region on how to not just lead, but love our city. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Mitch Cruz. I'm a Love Fort Wayne board member along with our CEO, Executive Director, Jeff King. Thank you so much for being here, Jeff. Glad to be here. And we are blessed to have as our guest today, the co-founder, Executive Director of Remedy Live. And we're gonna let you know more about what that is. Clinton Falpo. Clinton, thank you so much for being here today. Love it. Uh, two people I love being with. So this is, if the mics are on, I'm happy. <laughs> we don't even have to have the mics on i'd be happy do you recognize so. an accent slightly where's that come from well now i'm a mutt it doesn't come from anywhere <laughs> i go back to canada i'm like what you sound weird You're, you sound like a yankee that's what i'm told really and then here i still get the boots and you know say a <laughs> so i don't fit anywhere unless i'm at a comic game were you born in canada <laughs> yes what part western canada calgary alberta rocky mountains mm. About an hour and a half from the Rockies, so if we if we decided to go snowboarding, we could be on the mountain in a couple hours. Beautiful. Yeah. How did you end up here in Fort Wayne, Indiana? Oh, buddy. That, you have to watch the Netflix documentary to get that story. <laughs> um, I, I hit a really tough patch, Mitch. I, I lost a marriage to ministry. I was a workaholic and uh, came home one day from a speaking gig. Uh, wife met me at the airport. Found out a couple hours later she was having an affair. And my life crumbled around me. And mm. I went from being a national speaker and a high-profile ministry leader to being unlicensed and figuring out what I was going to do to pay the bills. Wow. And uh, so for a couple of years, I wandered. And, and um, luckily, I had a mentor in my life that loved the Lord. And uh, he, had, he kicked me in the butt one day, made me go on the Willow Creek Exchange oh, wow. uh, to look for a job. And I'm like, I'm not, who's going to hire a divorced pastor? Mm. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought to myself. And um, no, nobody was hiring a divorce <laughs> But there was a church uh, in Indianapolis that ended up saying, we'd like you to come visit. They had a really unique mix of urban. Um, it was in the inner city of Indy, but it was full of very wealthy white people. Interesting. And uh, they wanted somebody that would bridge the gap and be dumb enough to try to do that. And so I found myself on the job September 16th, 2001. If you remember what was happening around then, I was the first, I sure do. first flight out of Canada out of Chicago, into Chicago O'Hare, mm. uh, playing basketball with 40 African-American kids. I'd never met a black person prior to that day. Seriously? Never. Nope. Never met a black person. And here I am, surrounded by these incredible kids, and I boxed out this little guy in the key in this old style Hoosier gym about, I don't know, five minutes from Henkel Field House, which was my mecca growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, box this kid out and a pistol falls out of his pocket, hits the hardwood, and I realized I'm not in Canada anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was the minority <laughs> on New Jersey Street, 34th and Central, but met my wife. She obviously was my wife then, but met my wife in inner city Indy. She's a Hoosier, Fort Wayne native. Uh, father-in-law called me one day and said, hey, they 
they, their youth pastor over at Fellowship Missionary Church just left. You should come do that job. <laughs> like, Dad, it don't work that way. But sure enough, that's what the Lord had him in store. So Incredible. I ended up working for Dave DeSalm and Wayne Fay. Uh, 2004, January 4th was my first day on the job. And then Fellowship was, is still my church home. Uh, but a few years later, Char Binkley asked me to start Remedy, and the rest is history. It sure is. I remember when she approached me about this idea. I know she did. <laughs> and uh, she told me about you. She says, I got somebody that I think God will use mightily for this ministry. Can you talk about those early days and what you were trying to accomplish? Oh, man. We didn't know what we were trying to accomplish. You know, what I love about Shar and what I love about our God is he's looking for an innovative leader. He's looking for a what-if leader. And a what-if, you do it, God. You know, and Shar was willing to raise a half million dollars and say, here, do something. Now, what we didn't know at the time, if you know Shar's story, is that her grandson, Nate, was using heroin. Mm. And she was like, well, what do I do? How do I help? If I can't help my own grandchild, how do I help other kids? And, mm. and I didn't know the whole story, but as a, as a child of addiction myself and gotten saved at 18, um, I was just bold enough and crazy enough to say, what if? And so... We tried an internet experiment, and it was a radio experiment under the Remedy FM label, and uh, AOL Instant Messenger. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Uh, kid jumped on, named Ben. I know him well now. Ben shared that he had taken pills and he was dying, and that was the first conversation that changed everything for that experiment. And they found him on his living room floor. He was dying of uh, overdose of, of medication. And four days later, he and his mom came down to the studios at downtown Remedy FM, and she cried my my arms for 20 minutes, and everything changed that day. And we became mm -hmm. really committed to what we call the secret struggle, 24-hour chat center care. Uh, you know, since then, we've served 186,000 Northeast Indiana students through our Get School Tour, 80,000 Northeast Indiana residents through our Wired Experience and my businesses goodness. and corporations. All of it started with that conversation to say, what if, you provided presence for people caught in mental health struggle. And in Jesus' name, you know, mm -hmm. amen. Wow. So good. Jeff, you've worked with yeah. countless young people and their parents. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Coach. What, yeah. 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 What do you see as the greatest needs going on in their lives that maybe are just a little bit different than when I was growing up? Yeah, it's really, it's a good question. I, you know, I I know Nate. You know, I know. You yeah. know, and it's a redemptive I, story. It's a redemptive story. Yeah. I was in his corner when that was going on, mm. and I can remember. He's a huge what a body Gigantic that kid, man. that yeah. guy's got. Him laying on me. I'm, I mean, I'm 180 <laughs> pounds. You know, just crying, and it's just mm. like, what is this? What is this? And um, I think one of the biggest challenges or the newer things is there's so many different things that are in our world that they can grab hold onto that act as false fillers. Oh yeah, we call them escapes. They're escapes, you know? So uh, I think Paul said that there, we're awaiting a savior that's that's returning from heaven. But th in that day, what he was talking to is like different churches, they were looking to Caesar, the mm -hmm. different saviors of that world to be their fill. That's mm -hmm. what they were waiting on. Mm -hmm. And so those, those types of leaders and things were far away. But in this day, everything is a click. Everything is a call. Everything is a text mm -hmm. to be yeah. some type of filler in yeah. my life. And it's, it's at a it's at a quick access, and I can look to other people, you know, socially and culturally, that looks like their life is so good and they're having such a good time and they're doing these things or they have access to these things. Mm -hmm. And so, if 
I want to get access to those things. I'll be cool. I'll fit in. Or if I don't, uh, if I don't fit in, then these things are the things that will allow me to fit in and fill me. Those are the things that I've, that I've had to experience and work through, walk through with young people or, or talk to young people about and have real conversations with them about the, back in the fall, I was speaking at a university three or four different times throughout um, their time. And they have a, a, a local couple from, from Fort Wayne that was came to campus later in the fall and was going to talk about mental health. And mm-hmm. um, the, the the director of the spiritual emphasis office, I was thinking about you the whole time, Fop. Mm-hmm. She, she said, um, within two weeks of campus opening up, two weeks, our on-campus counselors were booked for the year. Oh, my goodness. Wow. The year. And this was back in like October when I spoke when I spoke to her. And I just I couldn't believe it. They were utilizing a QR code after I was done speaking to try to get kids to connect. And they were going to try to utilize ways to outsource resources or get kids moved to the front of the line. And um, the root of that story is just like, man, Lord, there is so much in people's lives. We were talking 19 to 22 year olds, two weeks in the campus booking out the counseling services for the entirety of the year. I remember when I dropped my first off of four daughters at college, I came across a statistic that I think back then it was 90% of all female students will experience anxiety, 45% depression. So it's just, I think that change in environment, that first shot at maybe a total autonomy that Mm -hmm. it feels like, trying to find those friends that theoretically you find in the first 72 hours, you know, all that is just, and, and then the demand of the academics, mm-hmm. it's tough. And you throw being an athlete in there, it gets really hard. Yep. I'm going to ask you, Mitch, when you said when you were a kid versus now, mm-hmm. when you were, when you were coming up, how, how many of your, your decisions, big decisions were based on feelings versus facts? Hmm. That's a really good question. I feel like, you know, there's that stat that 85% of every decision is feeling. Mm-hmm. It's based on your emotions. Um, I would say probably still most, even though I thought I was a fact-oriented person, mm-hmm. it still came down to how do those facts make me feel. Yeah, yeah. It just seems that now we are so dopamine-heavy in our decisions. Mm-hmm. Like everything is manipulated mm-hmm. by something that makes us feel better. Mm-hmm. And if it feels good, do it. Yeah. And sadly, we don't have, when you're an adolescent, you don't have enough life experience to realize some of these feelings are final. Like mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. you take that one pill and you yeah. might not come back. Right. Or if you choose to do that one thing, it might cost you something in your integrity or in your sexuality or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just see that's the major shift in that's the last 20 point. years is it's just so dopamine heavy. Now, I'm not going to judge because I do a lot of things too. I just had lunch. It tasted good. <laughs> it was good. But I also know that food is now processed to make me feel good. Mm. And some most of my food's built in a laboratory, not in a field anymore. Mm. And so I just I guess we just can be a lot more thoughtful about how much we are just looking at God's word as an objective compass yes. rather yeah. than what well, feels right. right. I'm just gonna do it. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I remember trying to decide a major uh, milestone moment in in my life. I was probably it was when I was it was uh, my senior year of high school, and I was trying to decide where I was going to play basketball in college, where I was going to go, and all that kind of thing. And I remember having no idea if he would even 
take the call, let alone talk to me. And I called my pastor in the middle of the week and he met me at church that evening and I processed that decision with him. Today, that kind of decision is made usually via friends mm-hmm. on your smartphone. Yeah. Um, I think as a parent, the biggest risk that happens is when I put that first smartphone in my daughter's hands mm-hmm. because now she's accessible, depending how you manage it, mm-hmm. up to 24-7 yeah. and can be accessible by the whole world, but also by her peers. And so everything, like you said, becomes that click, that text, yeah. that messaging. Yeah. Um, tell us how Remedy Live engages that, that mode. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a variety of ways. First of all, we ask a lot of motivational, deep questions, You know, whether it's a text conversation in our chat center or whether it's us being in front of an audience of, of students. We were just at a school this morning that we asked the 85 questions in an hour. And, you know, Jeff, you've been a part of those events. They're just nothing but question after question. Now the kid's mind is just zinging mm-hmm. because someone's speaking to them, but they're actually interacting with some really deep questions about identity, about why, about escape. Um, but we're trying to educate a generation and as believers in, in the God that created the brain, let's get back to the neuroscience that he created and why our brain works and acts the way it does. And, and, and I'll tell you, the students, we, we've served about 15,000 students with this escape program, and Nate's been one of our, our speakers. Back to him, that redemptive story. To be able to help a child understand why they feel the way they do and to be able to put a root system that it's, it's deep in a trauma, it's deep in a struggle, it's deep in a curiosity to compare against someone else, or, or even just why I, why I pick up my phone and realize 45 minutes later I've been scrolling forever. Just to give them those tools to say, wake up, you know, own your future, Mm. You have one life to live, live it on purpose and not by accident. It's mm. amazing to watch these kids, just their bulbs turn on. And it's a gateway into a ministry that I would have never expected back in 1989 when I started this gig, being a, being a pastor. Yeah. I, I would have never, I, I thought Subway was going to be in my future, that I would be at Subway every day <laughs> mentoring some kid. <laughs> but now it's done through technology here, specifically at Remedy, to get into some really deep, meaningful conversations. It's good. How do you, so we, we talk about our students and our, and our young adults, but you know, the Lord has opened up this, this opportunity mm-hmm. into the corporate world yes. and with adults and uh, talk about that journey and, and just the work that he's been doing to open those doors. Yeah. Well, the sad thing is, and our audience hopefully doesn't stop the podcast at this point, you know, the data comparatively between a 13 year old and a 43 year old is not that different. Mm-hmm. We're still insecure little kids at the court sometime. And, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, just get up and leave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I always tell people when I'm sitting in a corporate sense, the, the brain in your head is the same brain that you had when you were six, when your dad left your mom. The brain in your, in your skull is the same brain that experienced a, a sexual trauma or a porn addiction or uh, something that caused you to start seeing yourself the opposite of the creator that gave you the life in the first place. And so let's get back to that, talking about it. Confession is God's idea, not for him, like he's trying to figure out where we are. Confession is God's idea for us to figure out where we are. Right. Mm-hmm. And to admit that to the God that gave us life. So it's been unbelievable. You know, um, 
when when a guy like Rob Wallstrom says, come back to our organization 12 times a year to help our people navigate this. CEO of Vera Bradley. Yes, love that man. Love mm-hmm. his heart, love his shepherding heart, love his insight. Talk about entrepreneurial, talk about innovative. Um, he's been such a, I just, he just uh, has been such a blessing to me. But to be able mm-hmm. to have a guy like that say, we, this is what we need for our people is to ask them the questions that we're not asking because it's it's on our minds mm-hmm. and it's causing us to act act out even as adults. You have a network of adult volunteers that are available. Not anymore. That's how long it's been since you and I had lunch. What do you mean? We're an all-paid staff yeah. now. We yeah. used to be volunteer, 130 volunteers right. back in the day. Right. When we started serving schools, volunteers were hard to keep uh, following protocol. And so now we have a staff of 40 that are paid to be in our chat center 24 hours a day. Oh, my word. Mm-hmm. And it's it's uh, it's a game changer, both in a good and a bad way. I miss the volunteer days. Yeah, uh, We had 34 different states representing our country. As yeah. I traveled and spoke, we'd recruit. But now everyone works pretty much an hour away from here in their home using our chat software. Um, and that, for us, has been critical because procedure and protocol is necessary, so necessary when you're talking about human life and we want to make sure that we follow the rules, no renegade Lone Rangers on our team anymore. Mm. Yeah. yeah. How's it work if a kid's in trouble? So if a student or an adult, because now we serve all people, so 13 and up, if someone is a danger to self, um, you know, we're going to try to do all that we can through our training to help them find a safe plan. We want them to own the struggle they're in. And if they're willing to own it, then let's get help together, whether that's getting somebody else in this mix we call that a third party. It might be a parent. If it's a child, it might be a coworker or a, or a spouse. But let's get somebody in that mix and get, come out of your secret struggle. If they are a danger to self, then yeah, we're calling. Uh, we don't call 911 because if we call 911 here in Remedy, but we're trying to talk to someone in Fresno, it's not going to work. So we're calling a Fresno police station and we're giving them all that information. We've been working with that client to try to find out as much as we can about where they are physically and work with them to get them help in their region. And I'm not going to lie to you. This is a hard business. That's just what I was going to yeah. ask. Yeah. You, yeah, you have to trust in the Lord. He is the ultimate search engine. And we just say, God, we're doing our best to be in that space. And we just pray in Jesus' name that that, that police officer, that emergency service will arrive at that home. And the Lord's so kind to us. Maybe one in 100 conversations, we'll get a call back from a police officer or a fire department saying, we found them. They're doing fine. They're take, we're taken care of. Uh, but it's the other 99 mm-hmm. where, Lord, you are the sovereign God of the universe. Isaiah 61, one. Mm-hmm. you placed your spirit upon me to proclaim freedom. Mm-hmm. But, Lord, I just pray for this person who's captive. You know who they are. You love them. And may we be a link in the chain of their full life rather than the end of their life. Um, our mm-hmm. coroner here in Allen County says it best, John, Dr. John Brandenburger, you know, we need to do more to be an empathetic society. Mm. And we're just trying to do our part, but we can all do a part. How mm-hmm. are you really, Mitch? Mm. Now, how are you doing really? And that's the kind of thing we need to be doing for one another where we don't let each other go off with a fine or a good. Like, there's a story there. Mm-hmm. Give up five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Give up 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I can get 20 bucks before I can get 20 minutes some days. <laughs> but I want that 20 minutes because it matters. It's an investment in a person. Yeah. I mean, we talk about love in Fort Wayne. Yeah. I mean, we got to let that, that what you just said, marinate yeah. in mm-hmm. all of us and see the impact that it'll make in our city when we say, I've got, I've literally do have the five minutes. And if I don't have the five to 20 minutes, then Lord, search me. 
Yeah. yeah. Search me and give me the five, the heart to have five to 20 minutes to be more empathetic and loving as he was loving when he entered in totally. into those places because we saw change. We saw change in people's lives eternally. Uh, and I feel like that taking that mindset into our yeah. everyday conversation can change things. Devil can't make you bad. It'll make you busy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. what right. it is. I'm like, I'm just too busy. Mm-hmm. But there are people around us that just need to know, you know, you talk about dropping your daughter off years ago. Loneliness is the next pandemic in our country. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about in a crowded room because we have pr- trained our brain that the scroll is community. And mm-hmm. this is community. It's the hug I got from you, Jeff, before yeah. we went to air. It's, yeah. That's real life stuff. Mm-hmm. And we need to train our children. We need to train one another what it means to be life on life, to sit in the silence if we don't have answers, to be one, together. And again, that's what I, I do love about Love Fort Wayne is that it's a commitment to a revolution of that love versus just more programs and more opportunities for people to get busy. An emerging leader was asking me some questions the other day, and I uh, was answering them. I said, you got to realize leaders are lonely. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped, and I almost broke down. Mm-hmm. Um, you can lead a huge organization, and the likelihood is that you're kind of lonely. Yeah, totally. The decisions, the money management, marketing bucks, they all stop with you. They do. Yeah. It's tough. It totally is. It, it's a human being versus a human doing. We have to shift that. Uh, our friend Mark Robeson over Brotherhood mm-hmm. said it in this room. He said, it's really lonely to be a leader. And we need more of that type of courage. Guys like Mark and yeah. Chuck and yeah. people in our community that have said, you know what, I will not choose to be alone in my leadership. You know, mm-hmm. through succession, mentorship, community, prayer, you know, fun mm-hmm. i'm going to do this with other people um it's so easy to get isolated in this game if somebody's listening right now how do they engage with love fort wayne where do they go on their computer how do they get an app what do they do love fort wayne or remedy live i'm sorry i'll let jeff can we edit that out <laughs> can we edit that out that was subconscious if someone's listening right now and they want to contact remedy live yeah how do they do it what website what app how do they go about it anywhere in the united states they can text the number 494949 that's our national short code it's 24 hours a day uh i wish it was in canada but <laughs> canada has a different spin on this mental health conversation that can be a different episode yeah, yeah. could it be ever but uh within the u.s that's the number one way um remy live.com is a, a daily if not a every other day blog that they can subscribe to mm-hmm. uh there's all kinds of resources um shameless plug you know if you're a leader and you want to partner with us we mm-hmm. want to we want to use this studio to come into your organization and help your people learn how to self-care and manage that anxiety and talk about identity and talk about purpose through the wired experience wow but remylive.com it's one-stop shop we want to partner it's good what tagging on to that if i'm a, a caregiver a parent a grandparent mm-hmm. yeah and I see it yes. in much is that that number is accessible for them oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. We're, we're the, you know, we're no, we're not really, a, the, 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 the mental health field calls us a warm line. Mm. And what that means to me as a pastor is that's a, it's a place where you can just be. Mm. So if you're a parent um, and you found something in your child's life that scares you, we're here to pray for, with you and support you and, and not scare you because honestly, we've probably seen it too. We've probably seen it all with mm. you mm. as, as you mm. see it. But then we're also there for the person that's just alone, lonely. You know, we have a lot of people that have a social anxiety or they have a singleness issue and they're worried about, are they ever going to find a companion? And mm-hmm. we have a lot of people um, that are regulars. Uh, and this, I, I know I sound negative about that, but 
you know, we have a couple clients that have been to Remedy 1,500 times plus, mm. and they don't have a mental health issue. They have a loneliness issue. Yeah. We will be there for those types of people, for that type of person, but we are here to encourage you. We're here to cheerlead you. We're here to give you some solutions. We're here to keep you accountable. So chat with us on Monday about the big deal you got going on Tuesday, and then hit us up on Wednesday and tell us how it went. We want to support you. Yeah. Um, every client to us is a real person. It's not a phone number on our screen. It's a real person, and we want to be with you in the midst of whatever you're up against. And that's just a fun place to be. We have a lot of listeners who are pastors. How could a church best engage with you? Yeah, oh my. On behalf of the Lutheran Foundation and Look Up Indiana, we want to help you get your congregation engaged in the mental health conversation. Um, we as the church, oh, that's a, such a good question. We as the church have such an opportunity to embrace mental health as a mission. In fact, I was on a call mm. today with the state of Indiana, and we're talking about something called mobile crisis teams, okay? So we're about to be part of an initiative where people will text in from around the state, uh, specifically around a government organization, and we're going to help them find a mobile crisis team that shows up at their house and helps them know that they're not alone. Mm. Who'd be good at that? Would the Bride of Christ be good at that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Would, what would it look like if we were to have our 260 plus churches here in the Fort Wayne area say, you know what? We could put together a mobile crisis team That's right. that could show up at someone's house when they text and, and they're in despair or their, their marriage has gone south and they're thinking of taking a really bad final step. We could show up at their house. Mm -hmm. You know, we could neighbor link that sucker, you know? <laughs> um, so church pastor, prayerfully consider embracing mental health as a mission field. We'd love to be an encouragement to that. We'd love to come in and do our interactive polling with your congregation to just show the need and, and to, to share and cast that vision of what it would look like for us to be about that together. Mm -hmm. I've, I've sat in some of those times where they've, they've polled a congregation live. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think people feel, oh my goodness, I'm not alone. Yes. I've been sitting here suffering in silence, which is one of the biggest things. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's Satan, get out of the way. You don't have any place here. There's freedom and honesty and confession. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing to watch people just realize for the first time, I said that. Mm. I admitted that. And so did a bunch of other yeah. people. What if we, I, I spoke at, at a church out in, in Sacramento uh, years ago now, and I'll never forget it. I, I, it was a Thursday night, and I came back for the Sunday morning because I was going to be there the weekend. And the pastor's opening remarks were, how many of you had a panic attack this week? This was years ago. Mm. And, and that congregation, there was this expectation that pastor was going to ask a hard question right off the top. Mm. And people stood up. And I wasn't familiar with that because I was the newbie. But that church, it was authenticity right off the bat. And I thought, man, we have so many great opportunities to help with authentic worship on Sunday mornings. But it starts with the pastor. Mm -hmm. That is powerful. Yeah. Very Thank you so much for all that you do. You're having an international impact. Um, my goodness, your, your love, Fort Wayne, your love, our world is who Thank you bitch. are. Mm -hmm. um, we'd like to close by asking you a question. What would you look back and tell your 20-year-old self? And if you want, it can be in a Canadian accent. <laughs> well, it'd be a boot. <laughs> um, it's easy for me. Uh, I already said it once, 
Clinton, you're a, a human being, not a human doing. Um, I'm embarrassed and ashamed to admit that I became a professional Christian. I left a life of sin at 18 where I was rough and tumble and didn't know where to find the book of Philippians to learning how to find that book and learning how to be a fake Christian, learning how to be an evangelical, mm-hmm. learning how to be a professional. Mm-hmm. And I forgot my roots. I forgot that I was saved. You know, I forgot like that, that woman who washed the feet of Jesus with her hair and her perfume, how mm-hmm. much she'd been saved from. Mm-hmm. I forgot that. And I became part of this machine called the church and it became a business. And when I lost my job because my marriage failed, I didn't know who I was anymore. Yeah. And I had to remember I'm a broken child of God and I need a savior. And so I would say, Clinton, you're a human being, not a human doing. Mm. Um, because uh, that would have saved me a lot of grief during that season of my life. But I will say this, the grief, the hardship, the struggle has made me who I am today. And so even though I wouldn't have wanted it, God used it for his redemptive purposes. And that's where I want to be, praying those dangerous prayers. Mm. Thank you so much, Jeff. I just can't hear all that and not think about praying for our listeners today. Could you do that? Yeah, sure. Lord, we're, we're grateful that you're present with us here. Uh, even as we tune in together, we spend this time with one another. And I just want to pray for those who are tuned in today uh, because you know where they are individually um, and you care about each and every place that your people that are listening are. You care about where they're at. Mm. Um, you see them, you know them, you love them with an everlasting love. Even if they've, they've tried to wiggle out of your capture, Father, even if they've been captured by you, but they've been looking down at their own stomachs, trying to feed their own selves, you, you love them still. Mm. And so, Father, we just pray, I pray, that for all those folks that are tuned in, that they would feel the warmth of your love, the depths of your compassion, uh, the peace of your hand that rests over them. And uh, I just pray, Father, if there's one person that's listening and they feel down in the dumps, they feel like they're all alone, they're suffering in silence, that perhaps uh, they might make that text, mm-hmm. Father, to 494949 and just begin mm-hmm. just to take that step in this journey uh, of, of uh, just healing and restoration because that's your heart, to see all those folks being redeemed, restored, and come back to you. And so cover the folks that are listening today. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this month. We drop a new episode the first Monday of every month. Love Fort Wayne has some amazing episodes coming up. You don't want to miss a single one. So subscribe today wherever you are listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and leave a review. We want to share your thoughts and comments with listeners on future episodes. Thanks again for joining us today. Join us next time as we hear from leaders that don't just lead, but love our city.